Pastor Derek Hickman was born and raised in Newcomerstown, Ohio. He started dating Jenna, his now wife, during their sophomore year of high school, and that's when he started attending church. Her family invited him to church, and though he thinks it was more of a stipulation, if you're going to be hanging around with my daughter, you need to be in church. He ended up really liking church and Jenna and got pretty involved and then went off to college and felt drawn to pastoral ministry. He served his home church as the associate pastor and youth pastor for nine years. While serving uh, there in Newcomerstown, he earned a BA from Kent State University and an MDiv from Ashland Theological Seminary. Uh, Derek served a church outside of Ashland for four years, went on to Ravenna First United Methodist Church for two and a half years, and he now serves as the senior pastor of the church in Aurora in Aurora, Ohio. And Derek, his wife Jenna, and their two children, Wesley and Hallie, live in Aurora. So let's welcome uh, Derek Hickman. Pastor Derek Hickman, welcome. Welcome to the well. Thanks, and uh, good morning. Yeah, thanks for good joining us. For from... you, it's afternoon for me. Well, that's true, yes. Yeah. The time zone is a little funky, but I uh, appreciate you being with us here. And and I should say, um, Derek and I went to seminary together, and we're, we're friends. And so um, it's it's good to have you on. It was good to talk this week just to kind of prepare um, yeah. and uh, just good catching up. I appreciate you, appreciate your pastoral heart. And um, I know today you you planned on talking about just the choice to to leave or to love your experience with with church and, and faith. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, we talked about, you know, our journeys this week. And is it okay if I just fire some questions at you and, and you yeah, should? Yeah, go for it. And sometimes we'll be on split screen when I ask questions. Sometimes I'll just put you in full screen, you know, so folks can can concentrate on what you have to share. So first of all, um, if you would, you know, Derek, you told us a little bit in your bio about meeting Jenna and, and being invited yeah. to church at that time uh, or being, you know, voluntold to go to church in order to <laughs> date her. But tell us about your upbringing and, and your spiritual beginnings. What was what was the early spiritual uh, your spiritual life like? Sure. I. Um, well, first of all, just let me say uh, thanks for having me and uh, happy anniversary to you and Hannah. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful to, to be here with, with this morning, be, be here with you this morning. And also, um, I'm really grateful for the ministry that you have at the well. I, I told you earlier this week that I've kind of followed your ministry a little bit um, and have been impressed what you what you're doing and the heart that you have to reach folks who uh, the, the folks you're reaching. So thanks for, thanks for doing what you're doing. Uh, and thanks for having me on this morning. Thanks for your kind words, man. Yeah. So I, I, I grew up in Newcomer's town, um, which is all one word. Like it sounds like it's not, but it's all one word. And in Tuscross County, o- Ohio, um, grew up in poverty in a single parent home. I wasn't raised in church. Um, and my family wasn't exactly what you would call, uh, Christians. Um, there's a great deal of brokenness in my family, probably like many families. Uh, we all have our, our stuff. I was trying to think through uh, when was the first time I remember going to church. And I think uh, it was with my Aunt Mary, my great aunt, and she took me to her church um, because she would get us and she would do something special for our birthday. And But the stipulation is we went to church with her on, on that Sunday morning and then we would go do something special. And I remember being in her church feeling pretty uncomfortable um, as a as a young child. And I remember attending a, a Christmas Eve service with my father at a Nazarene church, again, feeling pretty 
uh, uncomfortable and in junior high I, I went to a, a Pentecostal church with a friend once and felt pretty uncomfortable there as well so I, I did not had a, a positive experience or overwhelmingly positive experience with with church um, but in high school when I started dating Jenna uh, we were sophomores and I would have done just about probably anything to see more of her. So when her family invited me to church, I went and I liked it. Um, I got involved in youth group and helped out with VBS and praise band, sang in the choir, all, all those fun things. Um, and I felt comfortable there. It wasn't uh, the uncomfortable feeling that I, re I remember as, an, as a younger child. The folks seemed great and I was very afraid uh, of attending church there because I heard about the church's reputation, that it had kind of been known in town as being like the snobby church or, or something like that. And I thought, how could somebody like me um, attend a place like that and be welcomed? And nobody brought anything up. And we had a, sometimes some pretty public dysfunction in, in my family. Nobody said anything about it. They welcomed me for who I was, met me uh, where I was in life and and they invited me in to belong to their community. So it's a pretty positive experience. Yeah, I'm thankful for that congregation. And, yeah. you know, for for their welcoming heart, their hospitability, their uh, hospitality towards you. I can identify with your story in some ways. I appreciate you sharing that. When you when you started going to church with Jenna, mm -hmm. um, what was it, aside from their warm welcome of you, what was it that prompted you to take your spiritual life more seriously? What led to that? Um, I'm a pretty curious person. I, I think I uh, I like to know why about everything. And um, I started asking questions and I started reading the Bible really is kind of what did it. So I started going to church and, um, you know, they preach from the Bible. I talk about Bible at youth group. And so I just started reading the Bible to see um what was in this story that they're talking about. And I started asking questions because I, I tell folks all the time that like I'm a naturally wired cynic and a naturally wired skeptic. Like I just usually don't take things for face value. Um, but when I found myself confused, I started asking questions. Uh, it seemed as if I was kind of told and not harshly, but told still like you just have to have faith. You'd, you know, some things you won't know, um, you believe more, not all things can be understood, um, things like that, which I, I don't know. Maybe it was because uh, church was new to me and, and I felt insecure about being around people who I didn't think were like me. And so I just accepted their answer. Um, and that narrative became my narrative. You know, I just have faith or pray more, or sin less, serve more, doubt less. And, and so that I did, you know, that was my, my narrative. That's what I heard from folks. And that's what I passed on to folks. And in just a few years of being at the church, uh, I was put in a place of authority as the youth pastor and, and even as the youth, as the associate pastor. And I found myself simply repeating uh, almost verbatim what I'd been told from other pastors to the students and adults that I was teaching um, and I, I guess you could say that there was a, a good consistency then in the messaging, right? Like 
whatever they heard from the pastor they heard from from myself and then i went to seminary in ashland and the first class i, I took was called the theology of scripture and uh, ryan you were in that class uh with me and it was taught uh by or co-taught by, by two what i would say were theologically opposed uh professors both United Methodist pastors, but theologically uh, on opposite ends of the spectrum. One was Dr. Dan Hawk, who I understand you had here on the well uh, a few weeks ago. So uh, one of the first assignments in that class was to write a paper uh, describing what we believed about the Bible. And I think it was called like the assumptions of scripture or something. Uh, and so I, like I had done for years with my students and, and the adults that I was teaching, I just regurgitated everything that I had been told about the Bible. It was inerrant and it was infallible. It was the perfect, the absolute word of God. It was timeless and it transcended geography, making it relevant for all people in all times and all in all places. Um, probably buzzwords that uh, most evangelical conservative Christians have, have heard. Um, but the paper, thank God, was an ungraded assignment because I had never uh, seen so much red ink. Dr. Hawk especially challenged me to get beyond the labels that I'd used in my paper uh, and asked me to develop my own understanding of scripture, its, it's purpose, its authority, and, and its relevance. Initially, I walked away from that assignment thinking that um, Dr. Hawk wasn't Christian. I thought something was wrong. Well, I'm, I'm in a Christian seminary and being taught that, you know, being challenged that the word of God isn't inerrant or isn't infallible. And it kind of frustrated me. But after uh, a couple of weeks to process that and um, to listen to Dr. Huck during class, I realized for the first time that it was okay to ask tough questions and it was okay to have doubts. And, uh, and, for some reason that was settling to me. It gave me hope and it gave me comfort. And, and that experience has kind of shaped my, my faith and what I believe uh, ever since. And that's, I think we were talking about almost a decade ago, uh, nine and a half years ago or something like that. My faith has become, I, I hope, more gracious, uh, more inclusive and um, less divisive. There's fewer theological things that, that matter to me while the things that matter to me matter more now. Uh, I, I hope that makes sense, uh, how, how I've grown that way. And I'm holding on more tightly to fewer theological truths, like God is love and Christ came to redeem and to restore all people. Our faith requires us to participate in that redeeming, restoring work that Jesus started. So if you're not challenging those core assumptions of mine, I think we can find a way to work together. Um, it's a little bit about how I've grown. Yeah, for sure. A little more seriously. Yeah, I love your statement too, that there are fewer theological propositions that you are sure about. Now, I, I have found uh, in my relationships with folks who, some of them are much older than me, um, mm -hmm. that folks that I really think are mature over time, we'll start to say things like, the more I know, the less I know, or the more, you know, mm -hmm. 
the more I know, the less I think I know, or something like that, right? That um, that there seems to be, and as you said so beautifully, this um, this realization that there are a few things in life and in faith that really matter. And of course, Jesus talked about loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself when he was asked what really mattered. Mm-hmm. And and there are folks who really grab a hold of that. And there, there's an old there's an old saying in the in the non-essentials liberty, right? Where there are so many other things that don't matter as they still matter, but they don't matter as much. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I just love the way you put that. And there are so many people watching this or who are, are gonna watch it later, frankly who are going to be able to identify, identify with your story of being confronted by, you know, questions. And can you share just for a moment on an emotional level, what that felt like when you were in Dr. Hawk's class mm-hmm. and, and being challenged, could you just kind of to share emotionally, what was that like for you to be challenged? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I tell folks, maybe it's just because the way I'm wired, but like anger is right here, ready to go all the time, you know, just on my sleeve. And so I was angry. I was angry uh, because I I felt like um, that he, he was challenging something that was close to my heart, you know. And so I was frustrated and I had I had a pretty negative um, experience. My my seminary journey actually started at United Theological Seminary in Dayton. And I had um, a, a professor that I just thought was crazy. You know, I, I a crazy liberal lib, uh, theologian. And I was really uncomfortable with that. I felt angry about that. And it was, it was an all online experience and it wasn't what I was looking for. So I transferred to Ashland and my first class, my first assignment, and I'm getting marked up. And, and I thought, here we are again. I'm, I'm so frustrated. Um, and it took my more level-headed, m- mature senior pastor to kind of like talk me away from uh, the, the cliff's edge, you know, but it was, it was anger initially. Yeah. I, I don't think you're alone in that. I think there are lots of folks when they when they feel like their beliefs are challenged. Anger is a response because these are things that we hold dear. They think they're things that matter to us. And um, I just think about our our society now. There's so much anger mm-hmm. because, uh, and we could go on and on. We have different sources of news and information, and and there are things that we believe are really important, and then the other side challenges that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I think anger is a natural response. And how did that anger fade into something else? If I could just ask quickly, sure. we'll, we'll get on to some other things. But in your experience, how did that anger fade into something else in, in seminary? Um, it, usually it's because I talk to folks. It's, I, I find... Um, so I know I know that I'm I, I have this like initial knee jerk reaction that usually is not, um, it's not the public one, <laughs> you know, it's not the one that I want folks to see, uh, but I usually have a, a small group of folks who, who I can have that knee jerk reaction with that will walk me back like my senior pastor that I worked for, um, and, and just kind of brought some um, perspective to it and in in seminary. So just listening then to um, 
Dr. Hawk and, and the other professor, I mean, who are theologically opposed, but seem to teach the class together and, and work together, it, it began to open my eyes that we don't have, our differences don't have to divide us. And so then it was trying to figure out how to, um, how to bring unity in our difference and, you know, how, how to work together with folks who um, may not think, believe, or, or even act like, like us. Yeah. So I, I just think that that has such profound meaning for where we are right now, <laughs> that there, there were two people who see things differently, but they could still coexist. They could still teach a class together. <laughs> and then your wise senior pastor kind of saying, Hey man, you know, it's it, it, not everything hangs on this. And, and, um, uh, I just, I appreciate you sharing that part of your journey because I think that it's something that we just desperately need mm -hmm. in our society right now. So, right, well, how has your, how has your journey been since, you know, after seminary, since you've just been in ministry? I mean, tell me about, you know, you talked about to leave or to love, you know, and making yeah. your choices. What, what's it been since then? So, if, to generalize, I, I would say it's been a, a pretty positive uh, journey of growth. Uh, but like any journey that's had its share of ups and downs, there's been times of profound spiritual revelation and times when I have experienced the presence of, of God and, and the providence of, of God in and, and ways that um, have been tangible. And then there's been pretty terrible times too. And, you know, I started, uh, when I started my ministry at New Commerce Town, I, I really believed that um, ministry was fun, uh, that it was, that it was uh, easy, and I'll say more about that in a minute, and that it required, uh, and that it was exempted kind of from politics, and that it was safe. And I don't mean to say easy, that it was, that it required little to no effort, because I feel like I poured out all of what I had into the ministry there. What I mean is that it was it was easy to want to do. I, I never found myself like wondering what if I did something else. It was it was easy to want to come back and, and continue the work of ministry. I, I never found myself so frustrated that I wanted to, to quit or give up there. Um, and maybe it was because I was naive and perhaps uh, the church in Newcomers Town was relatively healthy and I, I think that it was. Um, but even knowing what I now what I know now, I, I don't remember seeing any of the toxic behaviors uh, that I've seen in other church. I don't, I don't remember seeing that in the church in Newcomers Town. Um, so I'm sure it's a combination of me being naive and serving in a relatively healthy church. But when I left the church in Newcomers Town to serve as a senior pastor in other churches, I didn't know what I was walking into. Uh, and so I, I got blindsided a little bit, and it wasn't—it wasn't necessarily because seminary didn't prepare me. I felt prepared for ministry uh, after seminary. I think it was just because I didn't know what I didn't know, and I—I I found out the hard way that that ministry, uh, pastoral ministry, can suck the life out of you. That some good-hearted church folks can be mean-spirited. That the church and I imagine probably most churches uh, can be political at times, can be relationally messy. And um, I serve now in, in five different churches in some different capacity. And there have been times when I have been left feeling um, spiritually dead 
afraid even for my family's safety and completely hopeless for the Christian church and my role in it. I'll share a couple of stories, maybe that highlight some of the ways that I've been left feeling like that. Um, one time I had to make a decision to remove a person, a volunteer from a position uh, for violating a, a child protection policy. And it created some some waves in that that person wanted to seek retaliation. And so I, end, I ended up, and this sounds kind of silly, uh, but in the middle of winter, like somebody plowed four feet of snow into our driveway so that we couldn't get in or out. You know, it was just like we were we were stuck and they, they did it two different times. And and like I said, I know that sounds um, silly and it sounds like, um, you know, we actually I actually like snow up here, <laughs> but it was it was very hurtful. Um, you know, I'd heard through the grapevine even that this person like wasn't going to stop and they were, they were willing to escalate their actions. I contacted attorneys and denominational leaders, the police, like it was kind of a, a big deal. I was anxious about um, what would happen to my family and me. And, and then there's stories like when folks write letters criticizing me or my style of ministry or when folks are critical of even my my family members, Jenna, folks who have posted on Facebook or uh, folks who have spoken even from the, the pulpit at a church that I've received and, and received applause for kind of putting me in my place. Um, like, so there's been a season in min, in my ministry and, and not so long ago where I considered leaving, giving up. Um, I was I was seeing a, a a counselor, because that's what you should do whenever you're in ministry, I think. Uh, <laughs> I was seeing a counselor, and the counselor, was ex- I was sharing some of these stories with them, and they said, you know, it sounds kind of like you're in, abusive, you're in a, an abusive relationship, and in normal situations, I would advise that you end the relationship. And I seriously considered it. Uh, I applied for non-church jobs and um, was looking to see what other options might be available to to me uh, so that I wouldn't have to serve. I thought I thought really that there was no point in serving the Christian church uh, as a pastor, at, at least for me. And so um, and I and I know that there are other faith leaders out there who have struggled and wrestled with these same things that, that these are not uh, unique stories or isolated incidents in, in my own world. If if they were, I'd be very concerned about m- me and my, my leadership, like maybe there's something wrong here, um, but they're not. They're, I've talked to dozens of, of pastors who have experienced something like, like this. And it's not even just pastors, it's lay people, you know, regular church folks who have experienced some of these painful frustrating things um, from a church that's supposed to be loving and accepting and um, doing the redeeming, restoring work of Christ. So there are times when uh, the church lives out of its brokenness more than its mission. And those are the times when my faith journey has, has been challenged and has suffered the most. Yeah, thank you, Derek. And let me, as you already know, let me throw my hat in the ring that you are definitely not alone. 
and and those kinds of experiences. And and as you said, um, there are folks who they're not pastors. They're 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 part of a church, you know, or have been a part of a church where they were wounded very deeply. I mean, there are folks who literally have PTSD because of their church yeah. experiences. And uh, some folks have just sworn off it. You know, they, it's just too much and, and they don't go back. And there are lots of other folks who just kind of fight and claw their way to somehow kind of come back and give it another shot, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I think I'm sure that, that you speak to people like that who are willing to give it another chance, um, who find your honesty to be invitational, you know, and they know that they're not alone. And of course the folks at the well and people who are going to watch this video later, you know, are, are going to draw hope from that. So, I mean, final question. So after all that, um, and I know you're condensing too, I mean, you could share a lot more. <laughs> you're like, ha, 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 ha. we both know the truth, right? Yeah. Um, after all that you have experienced and, and everybody watching, has experienced. Why did you choose to stay? Why did you choose to stay in church ministry? And why did you choose to stay in this community of, of human beings called the church? Yeah. You know, um, even though uh, I've been hurt and, and disillusioned, I'll say by the church, even though I've been frustrated and, and wanted to take my toys and go home and even though I've, I've wanted to seek revenge too, you know, to find ways to get back at the folks who have hurt me. Uh, I've come to the conviction that I, that I must stay. And it, it really is a conviction. Um, you know, each time I have considered leaving the church, um, there has been somebody, and I, it, literally every time, there has been somebody who would almost maybe a, a divine appointment kind of shows up and speaks an encouraging word of how my ministry has been helpful or just, you know, keep doing what you're doing, uh, just a nice, positive, uh, encouraging word to me. And it, it just is enough maybe to kind of recenter me and, and get me focused and to get some some perspective. Um, but even even more than that, I I believe at in, in my core that the message and ministry of Jesus are what folks long for and need. Jesus's message is a message of love, of grace, and of hope. Um, and, and he teaches us that our, our worst days, I think this is an N.T. Wright quote, that our worst days don't have to be our last days. And the church, I, I believe, is called to practice the redeeming and and restoring ministry of, of Jesus. And, and so many churches that I, I have um, an experience with, and not, or maybe I should say church, church folks, have an understanding that Jesus simply came um, to save us, maybe even save us just from ourselves, you know, but to save us, that's the mission of Jesus. And I think that's such a shallow understanding of the ministry and, and the purpose of Jesus, uh, it, it cheapens the grace a little. To me, it's like saying that we've fallen into a pit and uh, we're bruised and, and we're bloodied and Jesus comes along and he lifts us out of the pit and walks away. And we say, oh, he saved us. He saved us from the pit, uh, but we're still bruised and we're still bloodied. And I think Jesus wants to tend 
to our wounds. He wants to save us, yes, but he also wants to, to tend to our brokenness. And that takes time and it, and it takes work. And as a, as a pastor, I'm committed to leading churches to do that work. The, the local church is, is a unique organization. And, and when it's not working, it can be devastating for sure. But when it is working, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. I've seen churches rally together to do the redeeming, restoring work of Christ that's made differences in, in hundreds of people's lives. Churches who heard about local the, the local school districts that were feeding kids just peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or cheese sandwiches um, because they couldn't afford their lunch. And, and the church that I was serving stepped up and said, not on my watch. And, and in that moment, the church got it right. Or when one church I, I served heard that there were homeless folks that were kind of journeying through town, um, they converted their hallway into a bedroom complete with showers and in a bathroom. You know, in that moment, the church got it right. And before I, I served um, one church, this has been decades ago, but I learned that um, when the city was refusing to bring water and sewer to the minority community, the church mortgaged its building and paid for water and sewer to be run to that community. And in that moment, the church got it right. You know, even um, just a couple of years ago, I was leading a Bible study and um, the, the study was about kind of reflecting on your own hurt and your own grief and, and you can grow in that. And at the end of those eight weeks, um, the participant said, I have never felt like God loved me until now. I've never felt that I could belong until now. And in that moment, the, the church got it right. And, you know, that even now the church in Aurora is uh, where this is an awkward time and a difficult time to be a church um, and, and to be in ministry. But when we learned that the local schools weren't uh, going to be able to commit to feeding the almost 200 kids on free and reduced lunch, our church immediately st stepped up and uh, have been now for almost 18 weeks providing food for 150 people every week. In the middle of a, of a pandemic, our church is concerned with how can we help those in need in our community? So in, in this moment, the church is getting it right. So I, I want to serve the church, hopefully leading them to get it right more times than, than not. I want to help folks realize that they're loved and can love back. I want to help churches expand their understanding of, of God and God's inclusive love. And that's why I stay. This is why I'll continue to stay, to wrestle, to struggle. I think you said to, to kind of fight and claw uh, so that the redeeming and restoring work of Jesus can continue through this unique and broken, messy organization that we call church. Yeah, so beautifully said. Um, Pastor Derek Hickman, everybody. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, it's been great to catch up with you this week, and thank you so much for sharing. And I am, I am um, incredibly thankful that you are where you are, and that you are drawing people to something better than what they have experienced. So, people who are watching this video, you know, um, the painful toxicity that they've experienced. You are, you are inviting 
folks to something better than that. And so God bless you, friend. And I really appreciate you being on. Thanks and bless you and your ministry. Thank you. Pastor Derek Hickman, everybody. Appreciate you. And wasn't that beautiful? Uh, I was looking forward to having, uh, to having Derek on today. And, and uh, I, d- I remember even years ago in, in seminary having conversations with him and, and saying, this is a good guy. This is somebody who, even though he was sharing, he was going through this, this uh, wrestling with his faith at that time. He, just a, a good heart. And I appreciate uh, Pastor Derek Hickman being on today. Um, I want to, uh, to offer um, to pray. Um, and uh, if, if you would be willing to join with me in praying, there are some folks right now who are watching live or they're watching uh, the video later. And it's all you can do to even be here or all you can do to even watch this. Some people are like, oh, it's a church. And they, you know, your thumb slipped and you clicked on the video or something. And now, and now you found yourself watching this conversation. Um, if you'd be willing to, to pray with me in a closing prayer about um, the pain that uh, you have experienced in your spiritual journey, uh, maybe, it's, maybe it is intellectual, it's questions and doubts. Maybe it's abuse that you experienced in church. Maybe it was the kind of toxicity that, that Derek was talking about where you know, church politics crept in and, and you're just like, man, I, if this is what it is, I don't want any part of this. If you would be willing, uh, perhaps this, this could be a time of healing or maybe the beginning or maybe just a step along the path of healing for you, if you're willing. I invite you to, to pray with me. God, we thank you for uh, Pastor Derek Hickman, uh, Hickman's beautiful sharing. And we thank you that there are pastors like him that uh, have a heart for God and a heart for people. And they're thoughtful people. They don't just take whatever they heard somewhere and regurgitate that. But they, they think for themselves and they allow other people the grace, the room, the breathing room to think for themselves. And his ministry there at the Church in Aurora is going to be profoundly blessed because of that. God, you know all of our stories individually. You, you know our unique joys and our unique pains. For some of us, yes, our spiritual journey has been painful for some uh, some would say it's been mostly positive and maybe maybe for them it's hard to understand why it would so be would be so difficult for others but for those who have experienced the kind of pain that that pastor Derek was talking about earlier um, another thing he said was is that being saved by Jesus doesn't mean just being pulled out of the pit and then you're just still left bleeding and broken for the rest of your life but that what being saved is actually what salvation means in scripture is moving towards wholeness, healing, restoration, becoming more and more whole over time. Some of us, maybe we feel like we've been on that journey for a while. Others, we're just covered in blood. Wherever you find yourself, I invite you to pray something like, God, if you're if you're if you're there <laughs> and if it's true that somehow following Jesus can bring healing 
in my life, then I invite you to do that. Send the right people into my life. Help, help me to look for resources. Maybe it's talking to a counselor, as Derek mentioned. Maybe it's, it's reading books. Maybe it's getting into an online connect group. Maybe it's talking to some friends who have experienced something different. Maybe it's yeah, connecting to a community like this or the Church in Aurora, others, where I can just kind of rub elbows with people and figure out, man, I'm not alone. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not the crazy one. Like I, I can, There are other people who identify with what I'm saying. And our prayer is, God, that you would bring healing over time to us from painful experiences. That you would help us over time to, to, to not fake it, to not act, but that in reality, over time, as we grieve, and maybe we do talk to a counselor, and we, we work through these things that the terrible thing that happened would become smaller. And, and the love and the, the giving and the goodwill that Derek talked about when the church gets it right, those things could become bigger. That your love for all people could become bigger. And so much anger in our society could become smaller. God, that um, the things that we thought we could never be free from, we realize are gradually becoming smaller. And healing and love and freedom are becoming larger. God, we thank you for the willingness uh, to even pray that prayer for folks who, who want healing. And we thank you that there are communities around the country where we can connect with other people. We're not alone. We can experience community and we can journey towards healing together. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.